Hi everybody, uh, John Langan here, and I'm coming to talk to you for just a couple of minutes about my dear friend, Laird Barron. Uh, Patrick and Brennan have graciously agreed, uh, actually to have invited me really, uh, onto their, their podcast just for a minute so I can talk to you about Laird. I know a lot of you are concerned about him and want to know what's going on and, and what you can do. Uh, Laird's been very sick, as, as some of you know, for the last three months, and it finally got to the point that he went to the emergency room the other night. I went with him along with his, his partner, Jessica. He was admitted. Um, he's in a hospital room right now, getting excellent care, and he, he is very sick. He has There are a lot of different things going on with him. Um, Laird's a very private guy, and so I don't feel at liberty to discuss all of them. Um, I can tell you that he's getting, the, the, the conditions he's afflicted with are treatable, and he's getting treatment for them, and he's improving. But there are some things that immediately need to be taken care of, and then there are some things that are going to require longer-term treatment. This is, uh, it's a big deal. And thank God that he went to the emergency room and didn't let it go any, any longer. The big wrinkle in all of this is that Laird doesn't have health insurance and supports himself purely through his writing. If you know the American health system, you know that not having insurance is really bad. Um, and it's one thing not to have insurance and to get somewhat sick when you're 20. Uh, it's another thing when you're no longer 20. Uh, none of us are as young as we, as we used to be. So we're working um, to do a number of things. One is to help to defray the medical costs that, that Laird has already incurred. Also to have an eye towards the medical costs that he's going to incur. Ultimately, we would like to get him set up with some kind of health insurance. Um, it would be great if moving ahead, he was covered. Uh, and the, so the costs for the, the future treatments that he needs will be provided for. Um, a number of you have contacted me and have said, what can I do? I'd love to, I'd love to contribute money. What can I? So Mike Davis um, and myself set up uh, a GoFundMe uh, for Laird. I say myself, but really Mike did all the work uh, and, uh, and he deserves full credit for that. Uh, the response right now at uh, 10.02 uh, in the evening, my time, Eastern Standard Time, has been astonishing. Uh, people have been amazingly generous and people have given... There, there has been no donation too small. People have given $5. People have given a lot more than $5. But you know what? It, every little penny counts because it's going towards helping out Laird and, and helping him in this situation. And not just the money, but the expressions of support that people have, have put out there for Laird, the expressions of gratitude for his work, they're really heartwarming. He's still a little out of it at times, so it's difficult to, to read everything to him. Um, so I've just been, you know, when I go to visit him, I've been passing along, hey, this person says that, the, you know. Um, and, uh, and, you know, obviously he's, he's quite moved by that. So, you know, I guess what I would say is, is thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for, for your, tremendous generosity uh, when it comes to the Kickstarter. Uh, if you find it within your means and your inclination to, to continue to contribute to it, that's terrific. At the very least, if you could continue, if you could spread the word, continue to share news of the of the Kickstarter, that would be terrific. Um, we're going to get through Laird, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to get Laird through this. Uh, it's going to take some time, it's going to take some persistence, it's going to take some grit. Um, but Laird has persistence is great. He is the stubbornest person I know, which is part of the reason that we're here. But we're gonna use that, we're gonna turn that around and use that for good. And we're gonna get him better and he's gonna continue. He has some really exciting projects like sort of in process for the next year. And um, those are gonna come out and there's gonna be more, he's gonna do more stuff as, as well. So um, thanks so much, love, gratitude, thanks to, to everybody. Um, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll continue to update on Twitter as uh, as I know things and social media, you know, in general, as, as I learn things. But uh, thanks again for for all your help and for all your good wishes and support for Laird. And uh, uh, hang in there. And and thanks to Patrick and even Brennan for uh, lending their their support to this and, and letting me come on here.
Welcome to season four, episode 182. So this is the opener for season four. We got a few things to say before we introduce the guests and the um, not guest host, because guess what? The very first thing we got to cover is Erica Robin has joined the team. We mentioned that last uh, with season three finale, um, but we want to officially say she is on the team. She was when the show launched May 27th, 2020, two days later, we didn't know her at the time. She made an article about us, and we, like, me and Brian thought that was the coolest thing. And long story short, that actually blossomed into a really cool friendship. Um, Erica, we truly love you. And, like, we, Brian and I never thought that we would add anyone else, like, officially to the team. Not to say, like, oh, no one shouldn't be, but it just, we're, you know, it, there's a certain um, relationship there. And... It, it's it's got to be someone that just fits in, and that's you. So we never thought there'd be a third, but you're you're a third. We're three musketeers. So Brian, jump in before I start <laughs> flubbering around like a fish out of water. Oh no, you know what, man? Like 182 episodes in, and I don't think I've ever said this before, but Patrick said it perfectly. Um, wow. Oh, we're starting <laughs> off great. <laughs> now, Erica, we are so thrilled to have you on. Like he said, you know, you were one of our first fans and you've always been one of the biggest. And, you know, the first time we had the opportunity to have you on in kind of a guest capacity and then um, guest hosting capacity, I should say. Um, and your, you know, from that first time, your contributions have just been like invaluable. Uh, like Pat said, we love you and we are thrilled to, you know, be going forward with you on board. So welcome, uh, welcome aboard, Erica. Uh, we'll just start with you. Um, after me, I should probably introduce for those that don't know that might be joining for the first time. My name is Patrick R. McDonough. I'm your host, along with my other host, uh, Erica Robinson. Hello, Erica. Hello. And my other other host, Brian LaFaro. Say hello, Brian. Hello, everybody. We are really excited to have Rachel Harrison here. She's the author of Cackle and Such Sharp Teeth. Uh, welcome <laughs> we on board, Rachel. <laughs> Say hello. Hello. Rachel, what got you in horror? Um been a long journey because I'm a I'm terribly afraid and very sensitive person. So I remember when I was really, really young, my mom showed me Alien and Aliens and Jaws when I was really, really young. Um, and then I have a distinct memory of being at Disney World and waiting in line for the Haunted Mansion when I was probably like six or seven and being like, I don't want to go on this. And my mom being like, no, 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 it's more funny than scary. And like, meanwhile, there's like a werewolf howling and I'm like, like panicking on the way to go on this ride. And I remember getting into the, I don't know if you've ever been on the ride, you get into this room mm-hmm. and um, the voice actor's name is escaping me, but famous creepy voice actor comes along with this like whole spiel um and then the room starts to get longer and then there's a flash of lightning and you look up and there's like a holograph of a man hanging from the ceiling which is not very kid friendly um but it traumatized me and when i went back into my like to my hotel that night i was just like in a new place as a child and just like could not sleep like up all night ruined my life <laughs> um, so I kind of always avoided horror I remember Blair Witch Project came out we just moved into a house in the woods watched it again I had no curtains so up all night just terrified um, so I always thought I didn't like horror because it affected me so much um, and then when I was in college um, my friend and my roommate was super into it and like made us watch like sat everyone down we watched The Shining Kubrick and the TV version and um, the ring. And she would just like, she showed me the orphanage, which is now my all time favorite horror movie. Um, So I got a kind of a crash course in it from her. And at the same time, there was a screenwriting contest in the screenwriting club I was in. And if you entered the contest and won, you got a film TV agent. And um, so I wrote and it was horror themed. So that was my first time writing in horror. And I was like, oh, actually, like, I really love this. Um, 
and I won the contest. Nothing came of it, but I did win. And I was like, okay, well, I love this and maybe I'm good at it. But then it took me a while after graduating and stuff to come come back to it and um, write my first book, The Return. So in a long-winded way, it took me a while to get here, but now, now I'm here to stay. I remember, I'm just going to say this one anecdote and then uh, Erica jump in and then Brennan. Um, I was very scared of a lot of things too growing up. Um, but I remember Spencer's in my local mall. Um, there would always be this like life-size Chucky doll. And for some reason I had this, um, like it's a doll. It's three feet tall, but you're a kid. Okay. So it's not funny. It wasn't funny to me as a kid. It would scare the shit out of me. But for some reason I always found myself drawn and, um, and just like magnetized towards Chucky or uh, Freddie or Jason. And um, unlike some of our peers, I didn't start with, with King until my twenties. I, I got really big into the slashers when I was 12 and it scared the hell out of me, but I couldn't stop watching it. So it's just interesting that to hear someone else kind of come from that similar place. Well, um, I also have a, I also have a mall. I'm from New Jersey, so I have lots of mall stories, but in my mall, there was a WB store mm-hmm. and they had gremlins like, oh. like they were big. They weren't yeah. like gremlin size from the movie. They were like as tall as me as a child. And they had some like hanging from the ceiling and it seems like a fever dream in retrospect because you just can't imagine stores with that like production value anymore. Mm. Um, but yeah, in the mall, I would always be like, I don't want to go in that store, but we would go in and I'd be like, ah. There's, they were everywhere. Just these huge gremlin statues. <laughs> that's how I remember it. I don't know. I was a kid. But anyway, that's my mall horror is the best horror. Oh, for sure. And you know what? Everything recycles itself. But um. Chuck Palahniuk, I think, talks something that's parallel to this where, oh, it's retrofuturism. He, I'm not even going to like paraphrase him because he's too goddamn smart for me to even do that. But basically, it makes me think of like malls and how life is cyclical. And, you know, a lot of things, I don't know how you guys feel, but like I collect CDs. I love books. We obviously all collect books. I like tangible things. I like, I like streaming too, obviously, because like none of us would know each other without it. But, I have a feeling that like within our lifetime, we're going to see this real desire and need and interest for being in brick and mortar buildings. Cause a lot of it's turning into, you can get everything delivered to your house. That's awesome. But eventually you miss stuff, you know, um, I'm going to go to you, Erica, before I start going on a tech conversation, <laughs> just <laughs> the black mirror. <laughs> so all you. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, Rachel, I think we need some mall-themed horror from you in the future, because that just sounds terrifying. Inevitable. Oh, it's inevitable. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, so kind of switching gears a little bit, I just had a question. So developing a sense of dread is something that I feel like is really powerful in a lot of your stories, at least the ones I've re- read so far. So for writers looking to develop to develop that kind of sense of dread or like keeping readers on the edge of their seats, what advice would you give to them? That's a good question. I actually took a workshop about developing dread a really long time ago, I think through Tin House. Um, and the teacher was Alice Sola Kim. Um, and I forget all of the lessons I learned. <laughs> like maybe I absorb them and use them in my work, but um I don't know. I feel like you have to feel it as the writer in order for it to come across. And I think you really need to be invested in character and to care about the people in the story or the dread, like who cares about what's going to happen. Like if you're not invested in the character, it doesn't matter what else is looming because you don't care what happens to them. Um, And so that's off the top of my head advice but i always feel weird giving advice because i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) don't tell anyone (laughs) listeners forget you heard (laughs) i think i mean i don't know i i don't mind admitting that a lot of the time i'm just stumbling through and trying to figure it out i don't have any answers i think everybody anybody who's setting out to write just needs to have a little bit of faith in themselves and kind of just see what happens (laughs) I think that's a great answer because you're very 
you don't take yourself serious and and maybe that comes off the wrong way but that's the highest of compliments people that don't take themselves serious but take their work serious i've noticed with people that i i admire and books like yours like i i love cackle i, I love the i've read three of your books so far your new collection is such sharp teeth and cackle and and it makes sense why you're with the publishers you're with um I just wanted to throw that out there that you're kind of like you're kind of like saying all the right things in my eyes because you're not like this will work for you because you're not guaranteeing anything because there's no guarantee. Yeah. And your voice is your voice. I think, you know, it's good. I think it's good to read writers you admire and kind of pay attention to what they do that you like, but you have to develop your own style. And I think part of that is to just trust in yourself, which is, I think, the hardest thing for most of most people in the creative field also have a very <laughs> are very sensitive or emotional and i think that's why we pursue art hmm. but it also makes it hard to pursue art cuz we tend to be hard on ourselves something i've noticed but that's fair brennan uh i want to talk voice actually so i'm glad you brought it up so in all of your books, plus all the stories in, in Bad Dolls. Um, I mean, first of all, I guess I'll preface this by saying I love your voice. Um, I got a little bit into such sharp teeth and I was halfway to the bookstore to get everything else. Um, but you, you write everything in first person and the bulk of your work has this very conversational tone, uh, informal, um, and very a lot of clarity and i wonder if there's a reason why you gravitate towards first person i think i mean i really love to write character driven stuff and i really like to be in other people's heads and explore character in that way um and i also think it works well for horror because there's a a closeness there and um, you're feeling whatever your characters are feeling. And I think it ties back into the dread. Um, so, you know, when you're reading Cackle, you're sitting across the table from Sophie and you don't know if you can trust her or not. And so I think if you're reading it and you're so close to Annie and so in her head, part of it feels like you're there. Um I also, I just think that's how I write best. <laughs> Another part of <laughs> piece of advice is to figure out, you know, some people I think can switch tenses and, you know, person, but I, I'm strongest and first person present. Um, so that's kind of just what I gravitate towards. Um, but yeah, I think just in terms of like also my own enjoyment, like, to be able to like sit inside somebody else's head for a while. I write because it's escapism. And so I have the most fun when I'm stepping into somebody else's head and exploring the world through their eyes. And so that's pretty like, and if I'm not having fun when I'm writing, it kind of comes across <laughs> and it's not <laughs> as good. So um, yeah, I think that's where the voice comes from. Um, just my own enjoyment and my own need to, step outside of myself. So as far as um, I almost kind of took from your answer, like that uh, putting yourself in the head of the main character in that first person voice allows you to almost kind of hold things back from the audience. Um, and when you're writing a story, it, you know, on average, maybe it's not the same every time. Do you, I guess I have the return in mind. Do you kind of know what the reveals are going to be or do you discover them alongside the character? Um, I'm a terrible outliner. Uh, I'm with you. I, <laughs> no I, wish, <laughs> I wish I was good at outlining. I'm really not. Um, so I think I need to have a balance because with Cackle, I didn't. I just was like we're going to see what happens. And then I got to the end and my editor was like, nothing happened. <laughs> and I had to go back and do major edits. Um, the epilogue's great. Seriously. <laughs> but I think with my fourth book, I had to turn in an outline. Um, 
and I worked off the outline and I wrote wrote it beat for beat and I got to the end and it was like this doesn't work and I had to go back and and write it over with kind of the general like lampposts but not like as detailed so um I think when I start out I need to know where it's going like I need to have a general sense of direction um but I can't be like, well, this is going to happen here and this is going to happen here because then I kind of box myself in and I stop focusing on character and I think I get caught up in the logistics of it and forget and then I stop having fun. Um, so with the return, I remember I did have like a general like bullet point outline, but I think the more fun, nuanced stuff comes from just exploring it on the page and i'm pretty sure that the sequence in the return where elise breaks into her ex-boyfriend's house um i think that was like something i did on the fly and as i was doing it i was like this is so fucked up and i'm just having the best time <laughs> i'm sorry can i curse you can fucking curse okay, all you want great um but yeah so i think some of the fun like it helps and I probably should outline more than I do, but um, I also like to, I prefer to just kind of be like, let's see where this goes. I, I love that answer. Um, and I I mean this only in the most positive sense because I do the same thing. Um, but a lot of the extended conversational stuff in the return kind of had that vibe, like we're learning, uh, you know, who these girls are and we're advancing the plot by by learning who they are um and and i just i got that sense that if it was a book that was like fastidiously outlined we wouldn't have had those moments um yeah i i <laughs> i i wonder if um you know we, we we've talked to people and joe lansdale comes to mind who don't generally outline but you know at points in their career are required to outline in order to get that next book through. Um, and, and he says, you know, he'll write the outline and then if he sticks to it, he sticks with it. And he does, if he doesn't, you know, fuck it. Um, did you, did you feel like you were like absolutely beholden to that? Or did you feel like you had a little bit of freedom? It was my first time doing it. So I initially felt beholden um but i turned in a draft the draft that was like beat for beat to my agent and she was just like i don't she said like i don't see you in it because it, like usually i come up i'll have like a hook like i'll come up with this like oh I, that that's a cool like with such sharp teeth like i want to tell a lady werewolf story but then i need to meet rory like i need to meet the right person to tell that story and find the right voice or else, like, I've gotten, you know, 30,000 words into a draft of a novel, which is, like, a cool idea. But, like, I didn't find the right voice and I didn't outline and I didn't think it through. <laughs> and then it kind of, like, I run out of gas halfway and I'm like, oh, this didn't actually work. Um, so I think when I, with, initially with book four, when I drafted it, I only had the concept and I still didn't know who the character was. But when, so when my agent was like, I think you need to like, like revisit this. And she made a suggestion and something just clicked for me. And then I went back in and I knew my protagonist for book four, her name's Vesper. I knew her. I met her. I was like, all right, we're doing this. I sat down. I was in her head. And it worked. So um, now I forget the <laughs> start. Is that answering your question? I forget where we. Yeah, started. yeah. No, you, you, you said. I, my question was basically: Did you feel like absolutely obligated to? Oh, stick right, to right. You kind of answered it right off the bat. So yeah. So <laughs> I, I was afraid when I when I turned in the draft to my editor, I was sweating because like <laughs> I was like I don't know if she's going to be like this is nothing like the outline but generally it still hit like it wasn't like I turned in a completely different book it was the concept was still the same the arc was generally the same so but I don't know 
doesn't get easier. <laughs> Turning in a book never gets any easier. Um, I got a I got a question from Chance. I want to read it before we get too too into the episode. Chance Forshee, uh, host of Terrifying Tones of Terrifying Tomes of Terror. Um, I would check that show out. He's a friend of our show, and uh, Rachel was on last season. It was really good, really good episode. Um, it, I I learned a lot about you from that too, which made me like even more because like I don't know about you guys, but like when you like the person. Like, not saying like you're gonna be best friends, but if you can be like, I could, I, I just I find an attraction to them. They're bubbly, they're nice, whatever it is. It makes me want to read their work even more. So, um, you being a good writer just kind of fuels that uh, even more so. But Chance said if she had the opportunity to turn one of her stories into a stage show or musical, which story would it be, and who would it? Who would you cast? That's a great question. Thank you, Chance. Um, stage musical. I think I think The Return and Bad Dolls wouldn't work as a musical. So it would fun. have yeah, to that be. That would be funny, though. Bad Dolls would yeah. be funny as a musical. <laughs> uh, I do want to see The Return get adapted so badly just for the set. But um, probably Cackle would translate best to... A musical move over wicked that's what <laughs> we're bringing cackle yep. to broadway <laughs> maybe that would be too much competition um and i don't who i would cast cackle's fun because a lot of i get a lot of fan casting for cackle um stephanie from uh books in the freezer said she visit envisioned jennifer connelly um mother horror uh sadie hartman said she sees um now I can't remember her name. Uh, Kate. She's in the Flan- all of the Flanagan shows. Oh, Kate Siegel. Yes. She yeah. sees her as Sophie. So, um, yeah. Something like that. Hmm. That would be fun. That was a fun question. Thanks, Chance. I like what you did there, too, with um, with Cackle. Just uh, how you got a lot going on there, but you basically... Um, and let me know if this is spoilery. I don't think it is, but you basically do this small town um, horror, which you expand and we get to meet these people. And it's really nice and feels like a small town. You're also playing with someone in their romantic relationship with an ex. And you do really neat things with that in your books because um, they're funny at times. Like you'll come out of nowhere and just say, um, you know, it could be like a... Uh, a quote-unquote dinner table conversation then you'll just throw in like a, a sex topic and i'm like that's funny as hell i didn't see that coming um because it's real life that's how real conversations go that's what i love about it and uh also i really loved how you were just kind of doing the mentor thing i mean i don't know if that was what you meant to do but like i felt like sophie was her filling the void of not having a great dad and the loss of her mother and having friends. So it was kind of neat. And I love Ralph. I'm not going to yeah. say who Ralph is, <laughs> but especially for a book focused on a witch and how you only say the word like one or two times. Ah, that you're the only person who's pointed that out to me. How even was though it was that? intentional. Yeah. <laughs> really? I'm glad you noticed because I was very strategic about it and no one's ever said anything. I'm okay. glad that you picked up on that. Well, because I wanted it damn. to be powerful when I used it. So I couldn't use it any other time except for when I used it. So I'm yeah. glad that you picked up on that. Because, okay, think about it. Because I'm not going to say the words, but like, think about the worst words you could call a person. And we all know what those words are, whatever the race or sex or whatever. There's certain words that you just, you know what they are. And I'm, I'm, I'm not explaining this to you, Rachel, but to people that might be interested in cackle. Um, but you know what the words are, and you don't have to say them. And you know, I mean, cackle, it's a witch book. We know that. But like when they actually said in a moment between two people that love each other, um, yeah, that hits real hard. And I thought that was, that's why I was like, this is a, it's a very unique book and it would work very well on the stage. <laughs> um, do you have, I don't think you said it, but do you have a specific actress for Sophie that you personally would like to see? I, the into the character that I had was, have you ever seen The Favorite with Rachel Weiss and uh, no. Emma Stone and Olivia Coleman? 
I didn't see um, that. It's like a I've <laughs> it's zany and weird, and it's about um Olivia Coleman plays a queen, one of the queens of England, one of the many. Um, and she's kind of in declining health. And Rachel Weiss plays like her very close confidant. And then Emma Stone kind of comes in and there's like a competition between Rachel's character and Emma's character for like who's going to be closest to the queen. Um, it's really strange and really fun. And Rachel Weiss in that was kind of my end to Sophie. Um there's something about her that I feel is very Sophie-esque. And I feel like if I ever met her, I would just be like, oh, like, I don't, do I like bow? Like she just has like a very like powerful way about her. So um, that, that would be my answer. Um, for, for, uh, for, for our other, for our protagonists, I think uh, Jennifer Lawrence would be good. That's just my, like, I just like her. And she's yeah. Really... She's got the, she's got a little bit of the, uh, like self-deprecating badass. humor down. Yeah, for sure. Her or um Emma Stone, like you mentioned, yeah. Emma Stone for sure. But okay, so um guys, I don't want to take up too much time on one book. I want to hear Erica. Oh geez. Um She's making noise. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like reading my questions. I was like trying to prepare and I was like, he's gonna go to Brennan. It's gonna be fine. Um Okay, well, this one's not about a specific book just yet, but it kind of just capturing the topics you've written about so far. So um, I've only read Bad Dolls and Such Sharp Teeth. Cackle is on its way from Gibson's bookstore to me right now. So eagerly awaiting that one. But um, of course, from those... I love Gibson's. <laughs> they're my favorite. I order like all of my books through them, if at all possible. Um, the so they know me by name. It's in uh, Concord, New right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I haven't right. been, but I I know I know Ryan, so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, she's awesome. I almost feel bad every time I put through an order because I'm like me again. But <laughs> yeah, they're fabulous, Pat. When you come to New Hampshire, you got to go visit for Taren, sure. Taryn, I love uh, North Concord. I, I went there all the time as a kid too. Um, the White Mountains is beautiful, like in the area. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I, I love that area. For sure, for sure. Sorry, I got myself off track. But um, so you've tackled like witches and werewolves in your work so far. I think I saw one about a ghost. Um, but is there another paranormal or like cryptid? Crypt? Did I say that right this time? Cryptid. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I picture the word in my head, and then I panic every single time. Um, That's every word when I speak. So I relate. It's so, it's so hard. <laughs> uh, but is there like a another type of being that you're curious to explore in a future book? Uh, vampires for sure i love i feel like they're like the i've said this before i feel like they're like the horror everest where it's like how could i give my own take um does anyone else feel like she's kind of like grady hendrix in the sense where it's like a very strong voice and just does paranormal very well but like i don't know how else to put it i really don't but you and grady hendrix for me are just not comparing the two styles or not nothing or 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 skill set or whatever i'm just saying like you you remind me of him a lot oh thanks it's a high compliment yeah she's awesome we're both berkeley we have the same editor now so um yeah tremendous amount of respect for grady i'm I'm sorry to jump on your question erica but how's that how's that feel to to write for them because as a writer myself like you have certain publishers that you dream of working with and they're you know they're, they're you don't get higher than Boom, they're in the big boy league, big girl league, whatever you want to call it. I'm it's weird because like it still doesn't never really sunk in for me. I think maybe because like everything happened and then I'm it was the pandemic and I moved and uh I had to leave my job and then I was kind of like in a new place. And then the return came out in March of 2020 and I just like everything, everything is different. So nothing is, it was just such like a massive period of change in my life. So I'll have moments where I'm just like, this is, this is my life. I think it it really happened this year for the first time when I got to like go to events and meet mm. other authors. Um, I've told this story before, but like I was... <laughs> I went to Story Fest in Connecticut. That's the um, Westport Library event, and 
I was like sitting across the table from Almakatsu and we were sharing mozzarella sticks. And I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck? If you had told me in 2018 that this would be my life, I would not have believed you. And it just like, and like, it's it when it happens, you're just like, oh yeah. And then it just like hit me. And I was like, forget this thought because you're going to start being weird. <laughs> and so I was just like, I can't. Like, I can take it in and appreciate the moment, but I can't, like, sit there and be like, oh, my God, holy shit, because then I'll start to be super awkward. Um, So, but it was really, like, when I started meeting these people in person when I was like, oh, like, I do this now. Um, But, again, it just always feels like, well, and any any, the other shoe's going to drop at any moment. (laughs) How incredible is Alma Katsu, though? Like, she's so coolest person in the world she's so cool she's such a sweetheart she's like she writes these badass books like history historic fiction books i kind of feel like a snob about it like i love history and if it's not done right like it's cringy to me and i'm not gonna go online and start blasting an author but like as a reader like you really you really gotta be confident and know your shit and she is like she's very masterful at it she's just one of the best She's also really nice. <laughs> so that helps. Um, Erica, I really interrupted. So you were asking about the paranormal. She said that, uh, you know, vampire. Is there anything else that you want to expand on that, um, Rachel? No. Uh, I can't. That's a, like, I kind of can just think like one ahead. I mean, maybe I would like to, uh, again, like vampires or aliens or, you know, maybe I would do robots, but it would have to be a short story. Um I don't Empire. think I can write an entire robot book. But yeah, there there's thing there's things out like definitely definitely vampires and aliens. I mean, obviously. You like Killer Clowns obviously. from Outer Space? <laughs> Do you like that movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I haven't seen it. Oh man. Again, I, I was late to the horror game, so no, there's fine. like a lot I'm I'm constantly playing catch up. And everyone's like, "Have you seen this?" and I'm just like, "No, I'm an imposter." That, I'm I'm like that too with books and movies, but that happens to be a book movie that I saw. I think you'd like it. It's really goofy, but it's funny. But I, I asked because you said vampires or aliens, and I'm thinking, why not mix them? Why not both? <laughs> <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Baby. Nailed it. Brennan, go ahead, sir. Do you want to read Brian? Actually, Brian McCauley You know, it's funny. I was literally going to do that as soon as you threw it to me. So yeah, I feel Brian. Your brain. That's not a compliment. Uh, <laughs> I have uh, Brian's question up and ready to go uh brian mccauley author of curse of the reaper says so good. Rachel so, i just rules. finished reading it That's so oh, good good yeah it's so no, good. i loved it so yep sorry yep no no that's okay we can talk about how great brian's book is Genius. Oh, we can just read the question. That's that's good, too. Um, so he says uh, that he has a two-part question. It says, how does your... Ba- I'm just going to ask one at a time. How does your background in screenwriting influence your work? Um, I think in terms of, like, writing dialogue, having, like, a natural sense of dialogue, and then a sense of structure from my screenwriting days... Um, I studied it in college, but I haven't written a screenplay in years. Uh, And I think for me, what's most notable is always the struggle. Like whatever advantages I have from it, I don't notice. But the struggle really was when I started to write prose, like having to pay attention on a sentence level to what I was writing. Like I was kind of always just thinking about how to get from A to B and like not how to like like the craft of writing and creating a sentence um, was really hard for me. So, you know, I I think my love of writing dialogue is from screenwriting. And then, but for me, I'm always like, it was hard to transition. And like, I know some people go back and forth and I read, you know, Curse of the Reaper or I read, you know, Nat Cassidy's work. And I'm just like, they're like how are you so good at doing both like maybe it's a struggle (laughs) for them too but it just for me reading it it's like obviously like you just have like the mega strengths from your screenwriting background and also just happen to be incredibly talented novelists um but yeah I really it was tough for me to leave my like screenwriting get out of that shift out of that mode into writing prose um 
I would like to write another screenplay someday, but I kind of, it's intimidating because I don't know if I could shift back and back, you know, so. In Curse of the Reaper, how Brian has, the way he has the different scripts for each uh, installment in that fake series is just so fucking smart because he does it, it's purposely done in like a cliche way and they're so funny yeah right and they punctuate every like the the pace of which he puts them in and the con it just it's perfection yeah and it parallels what's happening in real time too which is so cool and it also adds suspense because like they'll come you'll be like what's happening and then it's like now we're shifting back into the screenplay and so you're (laughs) but like it still feels like a little treat to get like those when you get to that format, even if it's on a cliffhanger, you're like, oh, now here's a little here's a scene. Yeah, it's not it's not and it has the screenplay format, so it you know it it flips real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and how it ends in space with the last song, I'm like that's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> the moon door or whatever. Sucked <laughs> out. Sorry, no oh, spoilers. It, well, if you haven't read the book. I don't know what you're doing. You need to go. You deserve it. those spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Brian, second question. Oh, How rough. does your background in Jersey influence your work? <laughs> oh, he would ask. <laughs> He's from the same area that I am. Um, Different states. My wife made it very... I, I, this yeah, is worth North and South. Because, like, I don't think you know, Rachel, but I'm from... Or maybe I, did, I think I told you, actually. I'm from, Massachusetts. from Mass? Yeah, yeah, okay, I did tell you. But, like, when we started dating, she made it very clear that South Jersey and North Jersey should be two yeah. states, and I didn't get it until I moved here. Yeah, it's 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 different. <laughs> um, so, so Brian is a fellow Northerner. Um, but I think a lot, I think any any person is formed by the world around them. And I thought a lot about it because there's weird New Jersey, um, which... It's weird, like now they have it in other states, but it started in New Jersey. Um, and I remember it used to be like magazines and I like was at a friend's house and I was like going through the magazines and like in high school, we would go to Shades of Death Road and drive up and down Shades of Death Road at night. And um, there's just like a lot of funky little folklore in New Jersey. Um and I think the people are very generally very like hard and practical, but I think there's like an undercurrent of superstition <laughs> for some reason. And like us, like Jersey kids just, I don't know, have this natural superstition or also like a, a curiosity and a want to explore, um, at least for me. And yeah, there's just tons of little gems in the state. Like when I was in high school, I did theater. I'm a former theater kid. (laughs) That wasn't obvious to everyone. Um, But there was this theater called Pax Amicus and it looked like a castle. And not like a like legit castle, like a (laughs) knockoff castle. And it was on Bud Lake. It's probably still there. And I used to do like local theater there. But it's just like looking back on it just to like be in a castle and like be sitting with my friends outside a castle like eating candy bars between like after rehearsal (laughs) and it just like I don't know and I guess it's like that everywhere but there is something there is something weird about New Jersey and yeah and I'm probably weird I can blame New Jersey for why I'm weird whether or not that's true, I don't know. Um, that you're, I think, the first person to mention weird New Jersey, the magazine, and just super quick anecdote. But my brother-in-law, um, he was a marine. He was in, um, uh, he was in Iraq, and my mother-in-law would ship him on a th- weekly or monthly basis. I forget, but that'd be one of the things that he she would send over. Um, weird New Jersey, and I just think that's kind of cool because. Um, he there's two authors that he would read Polonic books and Brett uh, Eastern El, Eastern Ellis. That's it. He'd read those guys and we're in New Jersey. And I just thought that's so like, that's really strange to think about. Cause that's right before the time when the technology got 
kind of close to the social media of today. That's before like you could really communicate super quick. And he's over there. He's a kid fighting in some crazy ass war in a desert. And he's he's just trying to have a piece of his home of New Jersey with him. So I thought you would appreciate kind of that. That's kind of neat. Um, Brennan, uh, is there any final questions that you may have for Erica that you may have? I, I want to throw out something about genre, just something I found interesting. Um, you know, I, I guess I would consider you a horror writer. I don't know if you like to brand yourself and I won't make you, you know, answer that. But when you go to the bookstore, uh, such sharp teeth is in the horror section, cackles in the fantasy section. The return is in the thriller section. And, you know, you talk to authors about like, you know, mixing genres, but you're legitimately in different sections of the bookstore. I wonder how much genre is a consideration for you when you're right, when you're planning a story. Um, I don't, I sh probably shouldn't be, but I'm a little sensitive about that. I consider myself a horror writer, um, or, you know, speculative fiction, but, um, I guess I could see how the return could maybe be considered a thriller, but it's like to me, it's it's a horror book, and to me, it's the most like firm genre book that I've written. Where it's to me, it's the scariest book I've written. Um, and I like I think after it came out, I was like, oh, maybe the like missing girl thing misled some people because I think people expected like a uh girl on the train kind of thing and i was like it's not that <laughs> so um cackle i can kind of see how it's fantasy but to me cackle's horror and a lot of people will say oh well it's not scary but i do like i think it's scary and like if that double date scene is not scary to you then like you've <laughs> had a very nice life congratulations <laughs> um, oh I, thanks uh, for reminding me that i want to punch yeah. that asshole in the face yeah uh how dare he <laughs> Go Based on. on a true story, by the way. Oh, was <laughs> who was he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so and I, I think such sharp teeth is horror, but I, they do put it in fantasy in some bookstores. I think my only like my books are what they are, like whatever. I can't tell a reader what their experience is going to be with my book. Um, my only concern is like if somebody shows up. And look is like, oh, well, she's a horror writer and they go to the horror section and they don't find me to just give up and leave. <laughs> I guess I don't like it's hard because I don't sit down and think about genre too much. I mean, I did for book four because I was a little mad that people were like, she's not a horror writer. And I was like, I'll show you. Um, but <laughs> I just worry about. Like it's tough with marketing and stuff and it's tough. People like to know what they're going to get when they pick something up. And so that's kind of where it concern where genre concerned. Otherwise, I wouldn't care. I'd just write and have fun and not think about it too much and, you know, have my spiders with top hats and have my like, you know, really scary stuff that I have in the return. But it's just about like how to connect with readers and the marketing of it all and how I'm going to find like how my work is going to get into the right hands. So that's where genre concerns me more than any. On that, I do on think that. there's definitely there's some moments in the return where if you are uh, going in expecting a straight thriller, you're not going to be pleased. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's it, that's kind of where that's the only reason why I care. Otherwise, you know, whatever. But I mean, well, you're a horror writer to us. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> on that note, I did want to know, um, and if this is something you can't answer, just should pass. Uh, but the publisher. Or maybe your agent is that something where they try to say hey maybe we should focus on just this or that and not be all over the place because I've, I've gotten that impression well, not impression i've flat out heard that that's how some agents are um specifically like you said for marketing purposes no i'm like my agent I want her to rule the world because I think we live in a utopia, like the most wonderful, smartest, most efficient, like so good at her job that like I'm in awe. 
never has tried to push me in one direction or the other. And my editor too. I mean, I am very, very grateful because Cackle is a very different book than The Return. And that was somewhat intentional because I was didn't want to get like, I never want to write myself into like, well, this is, we're going to get this from her every time. I mm. want to challenge myself and do different things. So I think that shift was would really be where somebody would have been like, well, your first book was really scary and this book is a little bit more whimsical and like, what about your audience? But no one ever brought that up to me. I think they've been nothing but supportive and wonderful. And I think I just, I'm just really, really lucky. And yeah, like, I don't know. I always feel obnoxious being like, I'm so hashtag blessed. But I like with the team that I have around me, I just, I mean, if anybody likes any of my work, it's because of my agent and my editor. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Erica, let's do one more question with you and then we're going to do outro questions. Sure. Um, So I do have two on my list. So two. No okay. rules today. We can totally just stick to one, but I wanted to see if talking about black sheep is too far out or would you be comfortable with that? Um, I can tease, I can tease a little bit. <laughs> the, um, the cover copy hasn't gone out yet, so I want to wait until, uh, that's decided on, but, um, it's out in September and it's more of a family drama. And the way I've described it so far is I wanted to challenge myself to write something different, um, something a little bit more strictly horror. Um, and I really like the horror I like it can like what I love about the genre is I can watch hereditary or mother and these kind of like arty cerebral whatever you want to call them movies and then I can watch malignant this like batshit bananas like what the fuck horror movie and like have the same love and appreciation for something super crazy and campy and something that's like you know artistic and trying to say something and how to kind of like marry the those two feelings of like you know, when I watched Midsummer, just being like, it's so genius and like, it's a breakup movie, but like, it's a cult. And then to watch Malignant and just be like, oh, fuck yeah, blood, you know? So I kind of wanted to like, take those two things and marry them in the same book and try and give readers the experience where I'm diving into some like, family shit. And like, I think everybody during the past few years have discovered things about who they're related to that they're like how am I related to this person and um like those kind of feelings and also just have readers be like that was fun like cool it went there like so that's that's my tease for black sheep hopefully I'm not over promising but I like it I think it's a fun book so it's, it sounds really cool and just real quick, because like you said, um, you don't you don't want to be pigeonholed. And if you if you're always challenging yourself, I don't think anyone's going to expect what's next with you. And that's a good thing. Um, I'm going to jump to what are you currently reading? Let's start with you, Rachel. I'm reading a blurb book that I don't know if I can talk about. So I will say that my next read is I want to reread uh cabin at the end of the world before knock at the cabin so that's like once I read this blur book then I can reread cabin before I see cabin Paul so. Tremblay is awesome it's so cool to see that happening for him Erica what are you currently reading I am currently reading it's not out just yet um oh it comes out on the 17th so right around the corner um, I'm reading Inside the Devil's Nest by John Durgan. 
And it is a, uh, it is really intense. I tweeted the other day that I was walking on the treadmill and reading and I kept forgetting to breathe. And then I would catch myself because I was like, why am I so dizzy? And I'm like, oh, I'm not breathing. <laughs> Don't do so, that. <laughs> yeah, pretty dangerous. I wasn't walking that fast and like I was walking. So, you know, not gotcha, super dangerous, gotcha. but yeah, it, this book, it's got a couple of reviews on Goodreads so far and they're high reviews. So I'm thinking mine's probably going to be a five star as well. So definitely check that one out. Yeah, John's another podcaster, really good guy. Um, Brennan, you were on his show recently, weren't you? No, I was not. Okay, I'm making shit up. <laughs> Fact checker needed. Uh, Brennan, what are you currently reading? <laughs> uh, I was just going to throw out, too. I, I got to read John's book, and it, it, it is a good one. It's, it's really cool. Um, I am reading The Last King of California by Jordan Harper. Uh, it is kind of a... I'm going to say side quill to uh, she rides shotgun. Okay. Uh, basically it takes place in the same world. It references events from the, from the other book, she rides shotgun, but they don't, the two stories uh, don't directly impact each other. Um, Did you make up that term? It, I've never heard it before. I have no idea if I made okay. it up. Right. Um, I will not take credit, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's good. He's got such a great prose style. Um, I just finished his other book. Everybody knows that comes out this month. Um, and I, I, um, I will sign up for anything, uh, Jordan Harper puts out. I am also a little bit into lost souls by Poppy Z bright. Mm. Um, kind of a, well, it's, it's vampires, it's new Orleans vampires, but definitely done in a way that separates it from the pack a little bit as only poppies he bright can do <laughs> uh pat how about you um so i'm actually starting uh jordan's audiobook for everybody knows it's like you just said a book coming out i haven't read it yet uh the audiobook comes out tomorrow we're having them on uh jordan harper uh with guest host eli craner he's the author of uh don't know tough uh both crime writers they they're really good um they're coming on in two weeks so i'll be done with that by then and then uh like i said i'm late to a lot of books and movies lord of the flies i've always wanted to read it um i never have it was never signed to me in school uh we had other books signed um it, it's just one and it's got an intro by stephen king so i wanted to read it I, i'm in the beginning but i really like it i want to get more into classic like the classic books not not just horror but like i want to um i want to kind of build up my tool uh tool chest you know um that's really it so yeah if anyone's listening you got suggestions please uh throw them at me <laughs> um i would love to know where can people follow you rachel i'm on twitter at rachel logic i'm on instagram at rachel harrison's ghost I also caved and made a TikTok, also at Rachel Harrison's Ghost. Um, I once upon a time was like death before TikTok. And then I was like, hey, guys, <laughs> <laughs> cut to <laughs> years later. Uh, well, when they were like, Twitter's going down, I was like, ah, and I just made a TikTok. Um, yeah, and my website is rachel-harrison.com. Why'd you pick that username, uh, uh, Rachel Harrison's Ghost? Well, it's more appropriate and professional than my Twitter handle, which was created drunk in a bar by my two best friends when I was like 21. <laughs> so <laughs> if I could change that one, I would make it Rachel Harrison's Ghost too, because it's on theme and a little bit more professional. And now I, I like it. That I love my Twitter handle's on like my books, <laughs> and it was created at a bar called reunion in hell's kitchen in new york city which i believe is still open it's like a like a surf tiki bar i think i don't know i don't remember <laughs> isn't hell's kitchen nowadays like prime uh dominantly lgbtq friendly i think so i mean chelsea those neighborhoods i mean hell's kitchen a lot of restaurants a lot of like broadway uh people who go to see broadway will go there to eat um, I just I just know that it used to be pretty rough when uh, I don't know. Oh, it's not rough. It's not rough anymore. Yeah, it was like at least, at least it wasn't when that. I lived there. Okay, it was very like 
You want to go out drinking? You want to go to like a nice <laughs> restaurant? You we just went to the theater. We're gonna go get, you know. I like Brooklyn. Like, Manhattan was really anxiety inducing, but Brooklyn. I mean, the part of Brooklyn I went to was nice. Is Brooklyn? Where, do you remember where you were in Brooklyn? I have no idea. <laughs> we were driving Brooklyn anywhere. for about a decade, so oh, miss okay. it. Uh, yeah, the late. I was great. also lived in Boston. There you go. I love so. Boston. Um, the late great Peter Straub was in Brooklyn. His wife's there. Mm-hmm. His daughter. They have the bookstore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Books are um, magic. Oh books, books are, are magic. magic. Yeah. 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 Stop it. Books are magic. Say that dead headspace. You know, you heard about us through them. <laughs> Don't say anything. Actually, fuck that. <laughs> Don't mention us. <laughs> Where can people follow you, Erica? Um, I'm kind of scattered all over the place at this point. So probably the best bet is just to go to my blog and I've got all those little social media icons. Um, but my blog is just ericarobinreads.com. And where can people follow you, Brennan? Brennan LaFaro on everything. Nice, easy username. You can follow me at PR McDonough. Um, just Google it if you don't know how to spell my last name. If you're from Boston, you'll know. Like, seriously, like down in South Jersey, no one if knows. They how don't spell know how to spell your last name. How can they Google it? Uh, just, you know, man, I don't know. I think it's hard. <laughs> it's late. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start with final thoughts. Um, Rachel, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, <laughs> You ask me what I'm thinking, my my brain immediately like just like freeze. It's like a deer in headlights. Like all my thoughts are like, what? Uh you're exactly like your I love it. Your your voice, like before we start talking, cackle and such sharp teeth specifically. And the story, the titular titular did I say that word right? In bad dolls, bad dolls. Bad dolls. Uh titular. Isn't that how you say that word? Like the title story of the It was collection. two syllables a minute ago. Okay, whatever. Now you got it. Have you, has anybody seen Ladybird? Where no. <laughs> you no one's seen Ladybird? There's no. a line where <laughs> she's like, it's the titular role. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. You should watch it. Greta Gerwig. <laughs> but, sorry. <laughs> the story bad dolls in the collection is what you were saying. Yeah, I was just yeah. saying, like, before we had tonight's episode, just talking through messenger like i could i could feel it and hearing your episode your interview with chance like it's i'm like that's that's definitely rachel's voice like you can pick up on the sense of humor and and the um the certain words that you say and it's it's really cool seeing that because once you have it in your voice no one else is ever going to write those stories that way um and you also prove that writing first person is a very good idea because i've seen writers say like kind of avoided david morell's the writer of first blood he he said it on air i'm sure he's written articles about it he's not a fan of first person um but when you do it right you do it right brennan does it really well too um brennan do you have any final thoughts oh rachel i just want to thank you for hanging out with us on a monday night um and staying up uh, staying up late um I I have just loved everything that I read by you and I cannot wait for Black Sheep. Uh so thank you for writing and thank you for joining us. When's Black Sheep come out again? Uh September. Okay. This um, was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. This was the best way to spend a Monday night well, and stay up a little bit past my bedtime. <laughs> oh. I'll start up there. Black Black Sheep would be great. Going for... wild on a Monday. <laughs> Black Sheep will be a good reason to get you back on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Interested. I'm sure I'll be around. Uh, Erica. I hope. I, I hope so, too. You're yeah. you're young and you're... Salt over the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come on as Rachel Harrison's ghost if anything happens. Good plug. Yeah, perfect. Erica, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, I'm just glad I was muted for that because I laughed really hard that I shook <laughs> the water on my desk. <laughs> like tearing up. I don't know why that hit my funny bone, but here we are. Um, so I just also hey, wanted laugh. to say thank you, Rachel, for coming on. Um, I think it's it was really cool when Pat and Brennan were just like, oh, yeah, Rachel's going to come on. And I had like just finished such, such sharp teeth. So I like very quickly got a copy of Bad Dolls. And I'm bummed that I didn't get to read anything else before the interview. But I'm really excited to dive into some of your books. And I didn't realize you started writing like pretty recently from the books we talked about today. So that's really cool. And I'm excited Super to see cool. what you do next. 
Um, such sharp teeth. Did you pick that title because of Little Red Riding Hood? I the title came later. The original title was Meet Me in the Moonlight, but they said it was a little bit too romancy, which is probably true. Um, so I had yeah. to come up with some other ones, and uh, it the the titles in the book at like a not just a spoiler. So it's just at a at an important moment in the book, and so sure, uh, yeah, yeah. I. I pitched that one and that's the one that stuck and it's impossible to say. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> and <laughs> the way I just, all podcasters everywhere. I'm terribly sorry for t- the way you work in that title. It's such sharp teeth. The way you work in cackle and the way you work in bad dolls. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, it just, it, it, there's some, something poetic in my mind when you work in the title inside of a, or, or lyrically musical, when you do that, um, it was really neat. Uh, how you work them in. Um, my final thoughts are that I appreciate you being on the show. We do want you back for Black Sheep. And um, we're very excited to catch up on your entire bibliography. Um, you're a really easy writer to read. And it's not a knock on anyone else, but like there's some writers that have a very lean writing style. And that's for sure you. Plus, you're funny. You're um Chance for she kind of related you to uh oh man, Josh Rubin. That's it. He said that uh there's a similar style there, and I agree. Um, the horror, the comedy, how you really punch it up and cackle when you punch it up with the transformation scene. I'll leave it at that. And Tyson, hopefully to some. He did it well, and it's super gross at parts, and it's fucking great. So that's my final thoughts. My oh, and also Erica, thank you for being with us for almost three years now i can't believe that but um we truly do love you you're like our sister um so it's really cool that we get to do this together um and listeners we hope you enjoyed this episode next one is once 183 it's best of season three with chance for she and brian mccauley as well as myself brian faro erica robin always you have many choices in podcasts thank you for picking up Howdy folks, this is the old horror hound Ronald Kelly inviting you to head on over and visit my new online bookstore, RK Horror. There you'll find everything that's southern fried and horrified. Books like Fear, Undertaker's Moon, Blood Kin, and The Saga of Dead Eye. Story collections like The Essential Six Stuff, After the Burn, The Halloween Store, and Season's Creepings as well as artwork and apparel. And remember, every book you buy comes with a personalized inscription and hand-drawn RK artwork on the title page, free of charge. So if you have a hankering for some spine-tingling horror south of the Mason-Dixon line, just go to rkhorror.bigcartel.com. Thank you, and many happy nightmares, y'all.